Hey, Rebecca. This is Emily. Hi, Arpar. Happy birthday. Papa R here. Um, I just want to wish a happy birthday to Rebecca Parsons. Um, happy birthday. I hope your birthday is as beautiful and vibrant as you are. Rebecca, I love you so much. Um, I miss you. It doesn't seem that long since we met. Unless I pause like this to consider your progress over these years. When I first knew you, you were terrified by the notion of riding your bike in the street. And now you fully own your share of the road. And just say thank you for all of the amazing times. Um, I'm so happy to have met you um, and to call you my neighbor on Savory Island and uh, to be your friend and to listen to your posts. Um, I really, really appreciate you as a person and um, you've been there for me some, for some pretty tough times um, and helped me through a lot. You are the light of Edmonton. You are the light of Portland. You are the light of uh, anywhere that you go. you are powerful, you are intelligent, you are um, so kind, so generous. You were a first-year Cocapelli member, and you have since conducted my own choir several times. When I first met you, I recognized right away that you were a budding badass. It's been a privilege to watch you develop into a badass in full bloom. Love you. Bye. Cleaning my cabin and helping me with my dishes and um, helping me get settled in Calgary um, and find love in a, in a dark time. And um, your musical presence and your personal presence and your community presence is a lot. Um, and I really, 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 um, I miss you and I hope you're having a great time. Um, all right, I'm going to wrap this up for Chris. <laughs> You're going to have to edit this. Um, but, uh, yeah, from Savory uh, to Riggers and to Calgary and Portland and Victoria, I know that there's lots of adventure. Um, and I can't wait. Can't wait to see you. Um, and I can't wait to visit you and hear all about everything that you have done to better all of the people around you in uh, Portland. Miss you. Like rain disappearing in the first morning light, like a fleet of bike bells riding into the night. Your vision inspires. You look in high places. You touch people's hearts. Just look at their faces. Like a trawler in the ocean picking up plastic. Rebecca, you're amazing. You're fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm.
are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. You'll never know, dear, how much I love you. Please don't take my sunshine away. Hi, Rebecca. Happy birthday. I thought I would send you this voice clip while I'm by the lake. So hopefully you can hear the sound of waves and also hopefully not too much traffic. <laughs> it's really beautiful right now. One of our first days without cloud cover. And because it's so late in the year, even though it's only just after 3 o'clock, the sun is at a low enough angle that the colors are rich. Anyway, um, I've been thinking for a while what to send you for your birthday sound recording contribution. And I'm not a very musical or sound-oriented person, but a lot of things lately have been relating to sound. So. I stumbled across this documentary that was explaining what music was and how music seems to be a uniquely human capacity, or at least the, the full spectrum of music, of rhythm and tone and beat and the joy and emotion we attach to it. But the thing that struck me about that documentary was how they described music, how they said that the only difference between music and sound is repetition and rhythm. And so I thought, <laughs> what is cycling if not music? What is cycling if not just repetition and rhythm? The repetition, pedal strokes, the rhythm of cadence. So really, every time you ride your bike, you're just making music, drawing sounds with your feet, <laughs> with your puddle strokes, with your body moving through space. And I thought that was a fun and beautiful thing, and I hope that Portland is bringing you lots of music, and I hope Portland is bringing you lots of enjoyable cycling experiences. I hope your commute is beautiful. I hope that university is enriching and enjoyable. I hope that you found time to take care of yourself and people help take care of you. And I hope that you enjoy your birthday in Edmonton, surrounded by people who love you dearly. Um, anyway, I think that's it. Uh, I wish I could be there enjoying your birthday with you, but I will be there in spirit. Happy birthday again. Last night I dreamed about Mercury. 
huge shining globules of quicksilver rising and falling. Mercury is element number 80. My dream is a reminder that on Tuesday, I will be 80 myself. Elements and birthdays have been intertwined for me since boyhood when I learned about atomic numbers. At 11, I could say, I am sodium, element 11, and now at 79, I am gold. A few years ago, when I gave a friend a bottle of mercury for his 80th birthday, a special bottle that could neither leak nor break, he gave me a peculiar look, but later sent me a charming letter in which he joked, I take a little every morning for my health. 80. I can hardly believe it. I often feel that life is about to begin only to realize it is almost over. My mother was the 16th of 18 children. I was the youngest of her four sons and almost the youngest of the vast cousinhood on her side of the family. I was always the youngest boy in my class in high school. I have retained this feeling of being the youngest even though now I am almost the oldest person I know. I thought I would die at 41 when I had a bad fall and broke a leg while mountaineering alone. I splinted the leg as best I could and started to lever myself down the mountain, clumsily, with my arms. In the long hours that followed, I was assailed by memories, both good and bad. Most were in the mode of gratitude. Gratitude for what I had been given by others. Gratitude, too, that I had been able to give something back. Awakenings, my second book, had been published the previous year. Down this road on a Monday morning came a riding three strangers. Down this road on a Monday morning came a riding three strangers. There was one wearing green and one a peacock feather and one wearing overshoes against the wintry weather and they gave me six white horses for to carry my load and they beckoned me to follow and they took me down this road la 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 
let flow subside. You're on the ropes, I'm on your side. Life is confusing, dry your eyes. Ain't got the mind, my heart's been broke so many times. I'm only rinsing these tired eyes. about listening to the to the quality of the bird song you know it's it's like you recognize your friends by not by what they say but by how they say it you recognize the quality of their voices right or your you know, members of your family and that just you can't force that you just have to let it happen naturally because we're actually pretty good at that we're actually pretty good at recognizing the the quality of different Voices. Reprieve, my new favorite word. Hopefully you can find solace in it too. And remember that we love you. Rebecca, welcome back. I love you. Okay, so when I'm being a good cello student, which is not always, um, I do a good breathing and warm-up before I actually really start practicing. Um, and I thought you might like it, though a lot of it will be familiar to you, I think. Um, uh, so, up first is um, <laughs> breathing. Um, I'll start by putting my hands on my stomach and taking a deep breath and trying to expand. And then my hands on my ribs. And then my chest. And then I'll hold my hands in front of me with my palms facing, and as I inhale, um, I'll open my arms and rotate my palms out. I'll do that a few times. I really like that one. It makes me feel a lot more mobile in my shoulders, which is something I have a, a hard time with when I'm playing. <laughs> and then we actually pick up the cello and uh, continue to breathe. Um, but this time with some, just some open strings. How am I gonna sit? How's this gonna work? I'm really worried this is gonna be just incredibly loud, but we'll see how it goes.
especially when I really focus on like aligning my my breathing and my um, like using finding winter in the rain is key there's genuine joy when one's out in a fresh snowfall. Even if it's been a stressful day or something's weighing on one's mind, learning to one often can find that joy. Just to focus on sound, to, to, to let go of having to see everything. I often feel the perfect name for me, but still I see joy often in others. I see joy in you. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a pleasant process of immersion. So something I'll do, I think they're called frog hops, which is like pits the string from really high and then jump and pits the string really close to the bridge. It's also super stellar how much your friends love you. It's so like um, great and kind of funny, but in putting this like surprise party together for you, it's just been amazing to be a part of and watch. And just like laugh at how people can say all these like little intricate things about you or what they know you like or what you do or what they like about you with like such conviction it's so so awesome everyone needs like a friend they can like that much and thanks for being that friend for us Stop. Yeah, that's, uh, that's about my warm up. Then I do scales, but I won't uh, subject you to my out of tune scales. Um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed my cello warm up. <laughs> uh, bye. Yes, so now we are moving to, yeah, so Turner Island, it's a little island um, off the coast of BC. Southern coast? Yeah, it's like in between Vancouver and Victoria. We start at 11.30 a.m. and we're in winter cover and then we go to Gallon Point for noon. Gallon Point is from Pender Island. Then we go back onto Saturna Island and go to Brown Ridge for 12.30 and then Wishing you the happiest of birthdays. At nearly 80, with a scattering of medical and surgical problems, none of them disabling, I feel glad to be alive. I'm glad I'm not dead sometimes bursts out of me when the weather is perfect. This is in contrast to a story I heard from a friend who, walking with Samuel Beckett in Paris on a perfect spring morning, said to him, doesn't a day like this make you glad to be alive? To which Beckett answered, I wouldn't go as far as that. I'm grateful that I have experienced many things, some wonderful, some horrible, and that I have been able to write a dozen books 
to receive to receive innumerable letters from friends, colleagues, and readers, and to enjoy what Nathaniel Hawthorne called an intercourse with the world. I am sorry I have wasted, and still waste, so much time. I am sorry to be as agonizingly shy at eighty as I was at twenty. I am sorry that I speak no languages but my mother tongue, and that I have not traveled or experienced other cultures as widely as I should have done. I feel I should be trying to complete my life, whatever completing a life means. Some of my patients in their nineties or hundreds say, Nunc dimittis. I have had a full life, and now I am ready to go. For some of them, this means going to heaven. It is always heaven rather than hell, though Samuel Johnson and James Boswell both quaked at the thought of going to hell and got furious with David Hume, who entertained no such beliefs. I have no belief in, or desire for, any post-mortem existence other than in the memories of friends and the hope that some of my books may still speak to people after my death. because we distinguish, you know, the songs that birds have for, for territory and so on uh, from the calls that they make, you know, all year just to sort of keep in touch, like, I'm over here, where are you? Jip, 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 that kind of thing. Uh, most birds' song happens in May and June. So for 10 months of the year, you don't hear very much <laughs> and you forget it. And then, you know, and, and you find yourself in, in, on May 31st, as we are today, thinking, oh, man, what's that bird? <laughs> <laughs> it's on the tip of your tongue, but you yeah. just can't So it's kind of remember. fun that way, too. You know, you get to learn the same stuff every year. <laughs> I'm just uh, walking through the river valley. I want to find a spot to read you a poem, but I want to get a little farther away from the sound of the road first. I don't know if the microphone's picking it up, but I'm pretty close. Um, 
there's a lot of ice. It's uh, I'm trying very hard not to slip to my death. Um, but I'm wondering if you, I hope, okay, sounds I do hope the microphone picks up our, the crunching and possibly the occasional slip. Um, there's also a lot of squirrels around, but I don't know if you can hear them. Um, I just, uh, I just went swimming for the first time at the U of A. Four years of undergrad, one year of graduate studies, and I've never gone to the <laughs> athletic facilities that I have paid for all these years, so it was kind of nice to go. Um, oh, this looks good. Oh, there's a little bridge. Um, When Death Comes, by Mary Oliver. When death comes, like a hungry bear in autumn. When death comes and takes all the bright coins from his purse to buy me and snaps the purse shut. When death comes, like the measle pox. When death comes, like an iceberg between the shoulder blades, I want to step through the door full of curiosity, wondering, what is it going to be like, that cottage of darkness? And therefore I look upon everything as a brotherhood and a sisterhood, and I look upon time as no more than an idea, and I consider eternity as another possibility, and I think of each life as a flower, as common as a field daisy, and as singular, and each name a comfortable music in the mouth, tending, as all music does, towards silence, and each body a lion of courage and something precious to the earth. When it's over, I want to say all my life, I was a bride, married to amazement. I was the bridegroom, taking the world into my arms. When it's over, I don't want to wonder if I have made of my life something particular and real. I don't want to find myself sighing and frightened or full of argument. I don't want to end up simply having visited this world. Yeah. Yeah. You think that was a boreal chicken ear? Mm, you, I you, think you it were was. busy working. You didn't <laughs> I think it was a boreal chicken ear. Yeah. Because uh, I think we heard like a few of them. Yeah, and you get north of here, and there's lots and lots of boreal chickadees. The brownish chickadee, as opposed to the nice, you know, black capped. I mean, they're both nice. Don't get me wrong. So many trilling birds. Yeah, so many trilling birds. Chipping sparrows, juncos, there are warblers that trill, like the orange crown warbler, there are sparrows that trill, like the swamp sparrow. Thank you. 
to show enough to Fred for a minute before I get the rules. Chaos is stern. Before the house of the bride was a gently sloping hill, where the bridesmaids stood with their garlands. W. H. Auden often told me he thought he would live to 80 and then bugger off. He lived only to 67. Though it is 40 years since his death, I often dream of him and of my parents and of former patients, all long gone but loved and important in my life. At 80, the specter of dementia or stroke looms. A third of one's contemporaries are dead, and many more, with profound or physical damage, are trapped in a tragic and minimal existence. At 80, the marks of decay are all too visible. One's reactions are a little slower, names more frequently elude one, and one's energies must be husbanded. But even so, one may often feel full of energy and life, and not at all old. Perhaps, with luck, I will make it, more or less intact, for another few years and be granted the liberty to continue to love and work, the two most important things Freud existed. When my time comes, I hope I can die in harness, as Francis Crick did. When he was told that his colon cancer had returned, at first he said nothing. He simply looked into the distance for a minute and then resumed his previous train of thought. When pressed about his diagnosis a few weeks later, he said, whatever has a beginning must have an ending. When he died at 88, he was still fully engaged in his most creative work. Rebecca, this is a poem uh, that I've been working on. It's still not done, but I thought uh, on your birthday, because it's about growing, uh, that it might be something that is fitting. So uh, here goes. Grow your love like trees. Grow so many you can breathe deeper. Grow so many that at times the air becomes so thick with their desire that your face cries. Grow your love like trees. Grow so, many as, grow so many that they shade you as you walk, close together, big and strong but flexible, slowly gaining circles of life, always with their heads up. Grow your love like trees, with wide nets of roots to stabilize the ground beneath them, with roots that don't give up, but that search deeper down. Grow so many types of trees that the forest floor becomes thick with the possibilities of your love. That you may tread carefully and yet trust that even if some loves are damaged, that new trees will spring up and fill you. Some trees will need more space than others. Some trees will not live as long. And some will bear fruit, others shade. Others that present only as a shadow may hold whole ecosystems 
Don't be afraid that you can't find the tree. If you are lucky, and you are, many trees will fill your love, and you will bring forth many trees. So Rebecca, on your birthday, may you bring forth many trees, many loves. Happy birthday. My father, who lived to 94, often said that the 80s had been one of the most enjoyable decades of his life. He felt, as I begin to feel, not a shrinking, but an enlargement of mental life and perspective. One has had a long experience of life, not only one's own life, but others too. One has seen triumphs and tragedies, booms and busts, revolutions and wars, great achievements and deep ambiguities. One has seen grand theories rise only to be toppled by stubborn facts. One is more conscious of transience and perhaps of beauty. At 80, one can take a long view and have a vivid, lived sense of history not possible at an earlier age. I can imagine, feel in my bones what a century is like, which I could not do when I was 40 or 60. I do not think of old age as an ever grimmer time that one must somehow endure and make the best of, but as a time of leisure and freedom, freed from the factitious urgencies of earlier days, free to explore whatever I wish and to bind the thoughts and feelings of a lifetime together. I am looking forward to being 80. There is a distance that is the smallest distance. The Planck length is the distance light travels in one unit of Planck time, the smallest unit of time. The time it would take to cross the diameter of an atom of hydrogen, moving at one Planck length per second, 
is 7.5 million times the age of the universe. You could bike across the universe in that time. 26. At 26, iron is an endpoint of stellar processes. Carbon plus helium is oxygen, plus helium is neon, plus helium is magnesium, plus helium is silicon, plus helium is sulfur, plus helium is argon, plus helium is calcium, plus helium is titanium, plus helium is chromium, plus helium is iron, plus helium is nickel, but is unstable and so decays back to iron. On Earth, we forge iron. It is the core of our planet, but in stars, it is transmuted. A universe of iron created on the last day of a star's life. 26. At 26, iron is the heaviest stable element made in the alpha process of stellar nucleosynthesis. An endpoint of stars. These are the ruins of a single particle. The after-effects of astrophysics, a nucleus shaken, core corrupted, and the inherent instability of its orbit collapsed. Entropic energy vibrating and out of focus until gravitational collapse, until the sun sheds its skin, stellar smoke and mirrors. And out of this, everything. Beyond iron, a supernova, and every element beyond in a place in a moment that outshines galaxies. Everything that came before, the baryonic building blocks, the quark compositions, everything becomes everything. But beyond iron, everything is rare. Usually, there is a flowchart here. You have grown through the slow accretion of time, like snow or sediment, depending on your scale and sentimentality. A photon can take 100,000 years to emerge through the density of the sun's core. What this means is that the light that illuminates us has always been ancient. Look, we have all been here a long time. It's been a while since our last supernova. It will be a while yet before we decay in the slow and inevitable heat death of the expanding universe. For now, we are made only of what we give each other, an existence of light and time and matter, and that is more than enough. One and two and three and four and five and six and seven, eight and nine and ten, eleven. One and two and three and four and five and six and seven, eight and nine and ten, eleven. Twelve and thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, twelve and thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Set. <laughs> <laughs> and then stop on, and stop stop. on the multiples of four.